Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Shirley You Can't Be Serious podcast. I am here with my good buddy, Jason. We are doing kind of a limbo episode. We're, this is not really season three anymore, but not quite season four. This is a, hey, we're just going to have some fun and do some more episodes. Let's, let's do it, man. I, this didn't take a whole lot of research. We're just kind of having fun. Basically, we missed each other. We didn't, <laughs> we didn't like being away from each other over Christmas, having to spend time with our families. We wanted to see each other and talk about 80 stuff. Yeah, so we're, we're actually celebrating the 40th anniversary of 1983 a lot this year. Yeah, just, I mean, just to think about all of the things that were going on in 83, I know my key memories are Return of the Jedi, the first Star Wars movie that I remember seeing in the theater. Okay. Seeing boobies for the first time, three movies in a row on a glorious, glorious day, vacation, trading places, and risky business all on the same day at seven years old. I was a changed boy at that point. Beautiful, beautiful year. <laughs> that is, that's a special year. But what we're going to talk about today is not movies. We're going to talk about songs. We're going to talk about the best five songs of 1983. And I've got my top five, and Jason has his top five, and we have not discussed. We don't know if there's any overlap. We don't know right. how it's all going to play out. We'll, we'll ultimately just have to see what happens as we go along. Right. But just, I mean, if you think about 1983, the other memory I have from that year is Michael Jackson, Motown, yeah, for doing sure. the moonwalk for the first time. And I was like, wow, wow. And I told you when we were talking about this, I'm like, literally, the case could be made that every single one of the top five could be off of the Thriller 100%. Hundred percent. I mean, it is the album that left all other albums behind, and '83 was its year. It came out in '82, but it was November of '82, and '83 it was a mushroom cloud in the music scene. I told you, my fifth grade year, I was known as Mr. Thriller, right? Like, right. In my fifth grade class, yeah. Mr. Thriller, and so my fifth grade self would be like, "There's no way to do a list other than Michael Jackson songs." You just started off, you know, want to be starting something, you know, Thriller. Billie Jean, Beat It, Human Nature, just go right down the list, and yeah. it's all Michael Jackson. Yeah. My list is not going to be all Michael Jackson. Well, good. That's good. Your, your musical tastes have expanded since you were nine. A little bit. <laughs> A little bit. Did I, I, did I tell you that I was so into Michael Jackson at this point in history that my grandmother sewed me a white sequin glove? <laughs> and it was all like the silver sequins like he had, except in the middle, she did colored sequins, and it was the letter D for my name. <laughs> I wore that thing. Oh, out. Grammy. Out. Love you. Thank yeah, you. That was it was something special. That is very sweet, yeah. actually. It, it was it was it was my prized <laughs> possession for the longest time. Okay, so in addition to in addition to stop looking at my notes. It's my notes you can't look. I, I'm not looking. Right, all right. I, I so in addition to Michael Jackson, we've we've got soundtracks like from Flashdance, we've got Bonnie Tyler, we've got some rockers like Quiet Riot and Golden Earring. I mean, there's all kinds of genres of music that are exploding into the stratosphere in 1983. And I think it is now time for us to jump in. So I'm going to defer to you, honors to you. Number five, what is your, what's your pick? And you, we were going to tease this up a little bit, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. See who, if I can figure out what you're talking about before we get there. Okay. All right. So this is a song that hit number one in March of 1983. Okay. Okay. So big song. Okay. I mean, Huge okay. song, okay? 
This song was written about a real-life stalker who accused this artist of fathering one of her twins. Okay. Not both. One. That's Crazy. an interesting <laughs> conundrum right there. Were they, were they fraternal? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but, you know, that's... You okay. Know, crazy yeah. person. All right. So I, I mean, think, do I need to say any more? Do you no, know who I, this is? I, I think I know where you're going to go with this okay. one. I, you, you've hit the Michael Jackson right out of the gate. I, it's got to be Billie Jean. Yes, it's <clears throat> Billie Jean at number five. All right. So Billie Jean is on the Thriller album, which came out in November of 1982, which yes. we discussed. We have an episode on this, and it's actually our very first episode. So in a little while, few days, if you will, we're going to have that episode come out and you can listen to all of our talk on all the behind scenes about Thriller, Billie Jean, all of it. But tell me what you got on Billie Jean. Well, so, you know, you alluded to that episode. That was first episode out of the gate for us. We did Thriller versus Bad. It'll be interesting to hear that one again. Yeah. So number one, March of 1983, you, of course, have the Motown performance with the Moonwalk which inspired a nationwide craze of white people trying to do the moonwalk <laughs> right. unsuccessfully. Right, right. Michael Jackson, as he was writing this song... If, was, I, can, if I can say it, yeah. I was a moonwalk master. <laughs> I mean, we got the video right there. Do I see it? Yes. See it? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, okay. All I know is that, you know... After lunch, before, you know, fourth hour begins, everybody was trying to do the, the moonwalk. So. All right. Okay. So, <laughs> as Michael Jackson was writing the song, he was driving on the highway one day, mm-hmm. and he was thinking and thinking and thinking about the song. He was so absorbed with Billie Jean. His car actually caught fire. His Rolls Royce was on fire. Had a motorcycle guy pull up next to him. He's like, hey, mister, your car's on fire. <laughs> he had no idea... He was so, like, into thinking about the song. This song is made up of 12 or more different hooks. The drum is a hook. The bass line is a hook. Mm -hmm. The synths. I mean, it's pop gold masterpiece of the 80s. Pop gold masterpiece. No argument here. Okay. And, yeah, I mean, obviously a big inspiration for me is it was the song he was singing when he did the moonwalk at Motown. Yeah. Is it my turn? Yeah. Okay. Hey, wait, wait, wait. Okay. So... What, if you're not deferring, that means it's not on your list. It's not on my list. I can't believe that. Well. Okay. All right. Keep your seats. All right. <laughs> okay. 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 If the girl is mine is on this list, <laughs> we're going to have words. Okay. Well, okay. So so are you done with Billie Jean? Yes. Go. Okay. So moving on. This is my number five. Yes. Okay. Yes. You ready? Yeah. So this one also involved a fire. Okay. And... It involved a song that we've covered on one of our Patreon episodes. Actually, a couple of Patreon episodes we've talked about this. Okay. The Knack and My Sharona was the key to inspire this song from producer to songwriter. Go ahead. You know what it is. Obviously, this is Michael Jackson's wonderful masterpiece, Beat It. Let's talk about that one in a few minutes. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. No problem. Sounds okay. good. All right. 
Okay, so to you, to number four, for you. Uh, Actually, I guess since I didn't get to go on my number five, I should go to my number four, shouldn't I? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, all right. So to start this, this can be a little trickier. You're going to have a little more trouble with this one. Okay, all right. Maybe, maybe okay. not. Don't look at my list. Okay, I'm not. <laughs> not going to look at your list. So 1983 was a memorable year for multiple reasons, right? Multiple reasons. But one that probably most of the people around here are not familiar with was a pretty big upset the United States had, okay? Yeah. So in... 1983, it was the 132nd America's Cup, okay? Okay. It's a boat race. Okay. In that time, America had won every single one of the races for that entire 132 years. Okay. Until 1983, September of 1983, when the team from Australia won. The captain of the ship was a guy named John Bertrand, um, he won the America's Cup in the ship called the Australia 2, and he dubbed this song the battle hymn of the ship. If you got any idea. It's one of three possible songs. Okay. I'm going to say this song is Down Under. You got it, buddy. Yes. Okay. okay. Yeah, Men at Work. There you go. So my number four song is Down Under by Men at Work. It actually came out, They, I think they recorded it even in 1980, just a different version of it. And then the they had their normal version that we know came out in 81, but it did not hit the charts in the U.S. until 1983. And boy, in 1983, it was all over the place. Like... Billie Jean, like Beat It, it had a video that went with it that people were obsessed with, right? Yeah. This one hit number one. It was their second number one hit. First number one hit was Who Can It Be Now? Okay. It was Which was charted for one week. And then this one hit, and it was number one for four weeks, January to February 1983, right at the beginning of the year. The origin of this song is that their guitarist, a guy named Ron Streichert, would fill bottles up with different amounts of liquid and then bang on them to get a different rhythm. And that's where you get the ding, 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 ding. Okay, cool. And yeah. then he also came up with this bass line. The and so Colin Hay has got this music that's in his head and he just thinks about living in the land down under. Gets that hook in his head, goes home, puts the guitar chords to it, and history is made. I mean, you can't get away from this song now. I mean, this song's... I, I still hear it all the time. It is one of those four-chord champions of the 80s, <laughs> just like Toto's Africa, just like Don't Stop Believing. So the lyrics of the song, I want to decipher a few of them for you, okay? okay? All right. Because it is a bit confusing for us stateside folks, right? Okay. Okay, so Fried Out Combe okay. is referring to a VW combi van which is broken down. It's a popular van with surpers and hippies, and so a fried-out combe, that's it. You okay. See, and in the video, you see them falling out of the van, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, head full of zombie. Zombie is a really strong marijuana that was making the rounds down okay. in Australia back then. All right. Head full of zombie grass, right? Okay. Vegemite sandwich. At this point, everybody in the U.S. knows what Vegemite is, but probably very few of us have had it. It's actually a fermented yeast spread, which is very popular down in Australia. Does not sound delicious. It does not. And, and even down there, it's like, <laughs> hey, yes, we ought to take the Shirley podcast on the road sometime to the Lounge Down Under and have a Vegemite sandwich. And then finally, where the beer does flow and the men chunder. Chunder is not a word you heard before. Mm. It means vomit. 
Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Yes. So, I really feel like we got to cover this album eventually. There okay. are several hits off of this one, 1983 Strong. I feel like we need to go into this one, but that's okay. my number. There's my number four. What do you got? All right. My number four hit number 12 in July of 1983. Okay. This song made this artist a superstar. Okay. On this song, you have lead vocals from the following people. Okay. Jill Jones, Lisa Coleman, and Des Dickerson. Gotcha. Okay? Gotcha. You with me so far? Yes. All right. It was also written in 1982 during Mm -hmm. the middle of the Cold War. Yeah. As a celebratory song Mm -hmm. to be participated in later. Yeah. You with me? I know what the song is. Of course. It is from the Purple One himself. It is 1999 by Prince. Are there 11 songs better than this in 1983? So it only got to number 12. Only got to number 12. Well, that's a good question. No, so here's the list. Like, I yeah. got it right here all in right. front of me, all right? Me. Yeah, tell me. Okay. I'm, I'm just blown away by this list. This is how good music was in the 1980s, okay? So 11 was Sweet Dreams by the Eurythmics. She Works Hard for the Money. Huge hit. Stand Back by St- Stevie Nicks. Is This Something We Should Know by Duran Duran. I mean, Duran Duran's huge in the 80s, sure. right? Yeah. Our House by Madness. Yep. Come Dancing by The Kinks. Yeah. Want to Be Starting Something by Michael Jackson. Yeah. Never Gonna Let You Go by Sergio Mendez. Yeah, one of your favorites. <laughs> <laughs> what a Feeling by Irene Cara. Yeah. Electric Avenue and Every Breath You Take. Yeah. That's a who's who of 80s artists right there. Sure, yeah. Sure. A little tough to crack the top 10, but still, in my list... It's a huge song of the 80s. It has lasting power that some of those other songs that you mentioned do not. Yes. Okay. I was at a roller rink in 1998 on New Year's Eve. And guess what song they played at midnight, 1999. Well, that's cool. It was cool. On the trip that we where we went to California and I saw the boobies for the first time, on our way out, stopped at a hotel, driving along the way. And I can remember very clearly seeing Prince for the first time. It was Little Red Corvette that they were performing, but same album, of course. Right. And just being like, wow, this dude is different. Mm -hmm. This is some different stuff. And I was entranced. Absolutely entranced. 83, heck of a year. Lisa Coleman was 22, and she had just been a piano teacher Uh and was hired by Prince. And there she goes. Yeah. Okay, my number three. I'm going to give it away like in the first few seconds, right? Okay. All right. Okay. It was written at the same desk that James Bond was written at. <laughs> I got it. Okay. I got it. <laughs> this has to be Every Breath You Take by The Police. Yes, it is. Okay. Fantastic. So this song was a mammoth hit. Like it was the biggest hit song of 1983, yeah, it right? It, it simply was. Yes. I mean, even with Thriller doing all of the damage that it was doing to everybody else, it could not stop Every Breath You Take. It was the number one song. It was. For the year. And we talked about this in our Synchronicity episode, which was, I listened to some of it today, and it was so fun to go revisit this. And it's another one of those episodes that we're going to have for you coming up here in a little while so that you get the full story on this song. But Sting... You know, a lot of people think this song is a love song. Right. And it's not. It's a stalker song. It's a stalker song. And and Sting is like, you know, people come up like, I played that at my wedding. And he'd be like, 
Good luck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love that story. And in fact, in 1983, I didn't appreciate this song. Yeah. We talked about how uh, when we did Synchronicity, I wasn't a police fan. Yeah. But after we did that deep dive, I became a police fan and realized, man, this song is just awesome. It just is. It, it has the staying power. It will never get old. And there are so many good stories in the episode. I mean, Stuart Copeland, the drummer, his dad was a member of the CIA that helped <laughs> overthrow the government over there. I mean, it's in Iran. I mean, it was just, right. it's, it's just, it's nuts. It's nuts, all of the things that went into making that album. And they build and they build and they build. And that album, Synchronicity, was the peak. It was the pinnacle. And then they were done. They were done. By the way, Andy Summers yeah. turned 80 years old this week. Shut 80. the front door. 80. Holy cow. There you go. Wow. I mean, I guess, you know, he kind of got started late. 40 yeah. years ago, he was 40. Yeah, I mean, the guy was considered to be the new guitarist for the Rolling Stones just before he joined up with the police. That's He's a guy who's got chops and a guy who was a little bit older than the other two. Yeah. Okay, that's my number three. What do you got? All right, so this song. Yeah was directed in a foreign country, which was a new thing. Uh-huh. It was a creative departure because every video had been shot in the same warehouse in New York City, and MTV said, go do something different. Uh-huh. Also, at the end of this song, it's rumored that there's the sound of a female orgasm at the end of the song. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the rumor? That's the rumor. Okay, so the video, not only was it filmed in another place, but it was filmed by one of our favorite directors, Mr. Russell McKay. Russell McKay, he, and the song is? Hungry Like a Wolf. <laughs> Freaking pop gold, man. Oh, it's great. It's, it's pop fantastic, gold. yeah. And it, interestingly, as I listened to some of our old episodes, Melissa Mingle's name came up multiple times, so I am so thankful that we got her to come on and share with us her love for John Taylor and uh, <laughs> the album Rio yes. as a whole. Melissa, one of our good friends and and followers of the podcast. And we, that was such a fun time to have her on. It was great, yeah. By the way, this video shot in Sri Lanka, yeah. as we talked. Yeah. They shot Save a Prayer. And Lonely in Your Nightmare, all three on the same trip to Sri Lanka, which is why those videos look so close. Mm-hmm. Simon LeBon bleached his hair in the middle of this video, and it turned out really bad, which is why he's wearing Russell McKay's fedora the entire time in this video. Right. And? You thought it was an Indiana Jones thing. <laughs> and it was. It, clearly, they were taking, yeah. you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark approach. Right. And that is Nick Rhodes' girlfriend laughing at the beginning of the song. It's such a great kickoff. As I mentioned before, this song is played in one of my 80s guilty pleasure movies, Hot Dog the Movie. (laughs) Hungry Like the Wolf, number three. All right. By the way, by the way, how in the world did this song only make it to number three on the charts? Okay. Well, here's the reason. Okay. March of 1983. Yeah. Number one was Billie Jean. Okay. I mean. Duh. I mean. Duh. Yeah. Number two was Do You Really Want to Hurt Me by the Culture Club. Yeah, that no. was... No. Dude. <laughs> I mean, it was 83. It was an unstoppable force. Culture Club was a phenomenon back then. It was a phenomenon. It was. Boy George was kind of the it person for a moment, but yeah. this is a better song. Yeah. Okay. To you. To me. Are, so to you, we're, sir. Are we already to number two? We're already to number two. I feel two. like we're burning through this. Yeah. Okay. Now, we covered Synchronicity. Okay. And... 
This song that I'm about to describe was a competitor for that. It's my favorite song of this off of this album, and it is featured prominently in a video game that is named after the band that has the band members as the characters in the video game. This particular song has the guitar player shooting <laughs> lasers out of his guitar up into the sky. You got it? I think I've got it. It's one of two. Okay. I believe it is. Let's go down to the wharf, get a haircut, get a shirt from Target, and play Separate Ways by Journey. Yes, that is exactly <laughs> right. So this is my favorite Journey song and possibly the worst video of 1983. It, right? It, that's true. <laughs> I, watched, I watched it again and I just had to go. <laughs> I, I, I just imagined them as they all just showed up and, you know, the guy who was directing the beer commercial yesterday <laughs> was like, okay, guys, what are we doing? And they're like, isn't that why we hired you? And he's like, oh. <laughs> let's just everybody put your instruments over there yeah. and you go pretend like you're playing your instruments oh my gosh and then we'll bring them back in and it'll be like they just appeared hey Jonathan Kane, just do this you know really hard and then we'll bring your keyboard in and out it'll be awesome yeah this song was shot at a wharf that our buddy Christopher Weber yeah sent his like real of. close to where he works yeah that's right and uh, the wharf it, it actually says it on the, the wharf <laughs> in the video and then uh, the, the hot girl that's walking around, um, you know, Steve Perry showed up with his girlfriend and she saw the hot girl that was supposed to be in the video and she was like, um, excuse me, I will be the hot girl in the video. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. Sherry. Song that's Sherry named. from yeah. Oh Sherry, yeah. There you go. It's tragic that that didn't work out. Yeah. Well, I've, we've got the whole episode on that band, which is, again, fantastic. I mean, guys, Steve Perry was working at his father-in-law's Turkey Ranch, <laughs> when he got the call from Herbie Herbison or whatever his he name is. He had given up music. He'd quit. And when he got when he got the call, he was like, yeah, I don't really want to. <laughs> Colbert, is that you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. Working at a turkey ranch, maybe the greatest voice of the 80s. Mm-hmm. And he was like, nah, screw it. I'm just going to work with turkeys. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. It is amazing to know what the history of Journey is and how... Many times it was almost not a band at all. It is basically, this is weird, it is basically Santana 2. No one would think that, but that's where the seeds started. Yeah. Crazy. It's crazy. Check out our Journey Frontiers episode. Yep. Coming, coming up. in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. You're number two. Is it to me? Yeah. All right. So, this song has Thomas Dolby from She Blinded Me With Science on keys. Uh-huh. It was rumored that this song was about Marilyn Monroe. But it was not. Okay. Did I throw you a curveball right there? You did. Okay. Because Thomas Dolby's been on a few things that we've talked about. He so has. keep on going. Yes, he has. Okay? Yeah. This video features the first flying spread eagle on MTV. Yes, it predates David Lee Roth. Okay. And it. a t-shirt was purchased on the way to the video shoot for like 10 bucks, And it became the rage. And they sell them at concerts today. Yeah. So this song is photographed by Def Leppard. From our Pyromania episode, Pyromania album, fantastic song. Love it. It's a great song. It is a great song. Yeah. We talked about that chirp at the beginning. Yeah. And I think you decided that it's the sound of him plugging his guitar into the to the amp. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Mutt Lang. S- 
setting the standard for what rock music was going to be for the next 20 years. Yeah, absolutely. It's a pop metal, like it, it combines pop and rock and mainstream rock. I mean, these guys just hit MTV with a great song, a great video at the exact right time, and they took off. So, 1983, you are a little kid who's obsessed with Michael Jackson. Yes. And what happens? You remember this story? I know. Yeah, so I'm sitting in my fifth grade class, and my buddy says, hey, listen, I've got a song I really want to play for you. And I'm like, listen, I am into Michael Jackson. <laughs> I don't have time for anything else, right? Right. And he's like, no, I think you'll like this one. I'm like, no, really, I'm strictly Michael Jackson. He's like, well, can I just play this one for you? And he plays Photograph for me. And I'm like, this song is so freaking good. <laughs> right. Like, instantly, I'm a Def Leppard guy. Yeah. And that shifted me into Def Leppard, really, for the rest of the 80s. And, like, Hysteria is my all-time favorite album. Yeah. So, absolutely fell in love with Def Leppard. The mainstream rock guitars and just the, the fun joy of rock and roll infected me from that minute forward. Love it, man. It was That was when the... Match hit the flame. Yeah, those those moments in in our youth where where our eyes are suddenly opened. Those, it's an amazing time to think back to. It's great. Yeah. Great. Good story. I'm surprised we haven't had too much crossover so no, far. No, we haven't. Okay. To you, sir. Okay, so we're at the point in the show where we're about to talk about what our number one song for 1983 was. And... We got to do some honorable mentions okay. here, okay? How many honorable mentions are you going to do? Because you like to change the rules on this. Well, you always I, accuse I, me of changing the rules. No, no, no. no. Okay. I just, I said, and I didn't do it mid episode, <laughs> Mister. I at least suggested it to okay. you. <laughs> so we'll do two honorable mentions, and if you've got one, one song that you had forgotten about, but when you started looking at 1983, yeah. you're like, oh yeah, I remember that song. Yeah, yeah, I do. Okay, okay so honorable mention for me, number one. It's got to be Quiet Riot. Come on, feel the noise off of Metal Health. Come on, feel the noise. Okay. That was an iconic album in that time in my life. I remember my brother had it. I remembered that. the cover. I can still see the cover in my brother's room. Album cover of him in the leather straight jacket with the metal face on. Fantastic. Head-banging hard rock heavy metal song absolutely come on feel the noise i remember the video i remember it being big in my fifth grade class so absolutely deserving to be your honorable mention absolutely all right my second honorable mention very similar it's making love out of nothing at all by air supply <laughs> <laughs> that's a catchy tune I love Air Supply, all right? And I am unapologetic about it, all right? I know that it's mushy-gushy weenie songs, and I don't care. I love Air Supply. That's hilarious. The and, guys can sing, man. And they... that song is freaking fantastic. <laughs> Out of nothing at all. Oh, we got to listen to that right here. I know just how to whisper, and I know just how to cry. I know just where to find the answers And I know just how to lie If this song was not on your makeout list of 1983, you weren't doing it right. Exactly. You didn't understand the assignment. I have to stop this or I'm going to start weeping. <laughs> you, you put that in the right move, and as my brother says, that's a panty dropper. It's a panty dropper, for sure. <laughs> great, great choice. Okay, great choice. Okay. okay, so those are my two honorable mentions, and you do your honorable mentions, and then I'll tell you the song that I rediscovered. Okay, all right. So my number one honorable mention 
has Bobby Kimball with the sweaty vocals singing Africa by Toto. The chorus is so infectious that when it comes on the radio, I'm turning it up every It doesn't matter if I listen a hundred times in a row. No. It's a great, great song, and I love it. I, Another Raiders of the Lost Ark video, by the way. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. With the spear chucking and the <laughs> black lady in the library. <laughs> so, so not 21st century appropriate, but at the time, ooh, Africa, like it. All right. that's It's so good. Hey, that... The history on that song and the the times that we've covered it is it is a song that will live forever. Great mention. Okay, what do you got? That Toto episode, by the way, mm-hmm. is one of our all time favorites, and I wouldn't have thought that when yeah. we started that episode. And that was the one that we compared to Duran Duran's Rio. That mm-hmm. was a great matchup because those are two killer albums. Those albums are turning forty one this year. That was a great matchup that we had. Toto four versus Rio, Duran Duran. One of my favorite episodes that we've done. Love it. Okay, my second honorable mention. You ready for this? Yeah. It is a pop song with a message. There is no chorus in the song. And the name of the band is from her nickname. When she was a little girl, she went to Spain, and they called her Nina. Ah, the 99 Love Balloons. 99 Love Balloons. you got to tell the story (laughs) about you and your wife on this. We need to do a Patreon on this song because... I had a discussion with my wife one time, and we were talking about this particular song, mm-hmm. and she's like, you're talking about that song, that German song? And I'm like, no, no, the uh, the English one, you know? Mm-hmm. She's like, that song's in German. I'm like, no, it's not. It's in English. And we had a knockdown drag out. It, that freaking song is in English. It's both. It's both. It's both. It's There's both. two different versions yes. of the song. Yes. yes. Uh, the stupid 99 Red Balloons was the one I had just heard. So <laughs> okay, anyway, good. I love that song. Two fantastic Two fantastic songs. Yes. Okay. So what do you got as like one you discovered? Okay. This one is by Jackson Brown. Oh, okay. So I was like, Jackson Brown had a song in 83. I didn't really, I mean, and honestly, this album that it came off of was his kind of last big hoorah. You know, I don't he's. I think I can guess this retro- one. So I'll give you a hint. Okay. Because <clears throat> it, it's not a song that people are really talking about still. Okay. But it's a fantastic song. Okay. Okay. It has my chosen profession in the title of the song and talks about people like me being passionate about other people like me. I got nothing. The song is called Lawyers in Love by Jackson (laughs) Brown. Do you have any idea? I have never heard this song. I guarantee you've heard of it. Okay. Pull it up. Pull it up. We're going to listen to it. Yes, I've heard this song. Yes, of course I've heard this song. Pick up just a little bit more ahead. There it is. Yes, of course I've heard this song. Yeah. I had totally forgotten about it, yeah. Yeah, exactly, right? Like, I'm like, Lawyers in Love, I remember the the title of that song, and then when I listen to it, I'm like, this is a good song. Yeah, it is a good song. I mean, but how is a song called Lawyers in Love going to last? Wow. Yeah, Jackson Brown, I believe, married Daryl Hannah. If I am not mistaken, he and Daryl Hannah had a relationship in the 80s. Really? Did you know that she's married to Neil Young now? She likes 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 musicians. Yeah. Yeah. Neil Young. Neil Young. No way. Yeah. Crusty old Neil Young and Daryl Hot Hannah. Yeah. 
Roxanne? Roxanne. Oh, my gosh. Yep. All right, so here's the song that I, as I was going through this, I just couldn't get away from it, right? And I kept coming back. I'm like, does this belong in my top eight, you know? Yeah. And I just, it's one of those songs where you may not even know the title of the song, but you probably know all the words. Like, if I played it for you, you probably just spit them all out. Okay. So it's one of those. Uh, this song reached number six, early 1984. I told you before, I was riding one time in, with my whole baseball team, and we just won a game, mm-hmm. and the coach let us turn on the radio station. Yeah. We sang Harder Rock and Roll by Huey Lewis. Yeah. And we all sang this song by Genesis. So is the title of this the title of this song? It's just a shame. Is that the name of the title? The title of the song is called "That's All." That's all. Yeah. This that probably was the beginning in the period of the eighties, the beginning of the time that you could not go for a week without hearing Phil Collins' voice on the radio. Absolutely, Phil Collins, a I mean, staple through the eighties, unavoidable at that point. And not, I'm not complaining. I like Phil Collins. Me too. But heck, dude, that guy was had a hit song. Every three months. Yeah, it's true. Every three months. It's true. It went to Genesis, had a big album in 83 and 84. Mm-hmm. Phil Collins' No Jacket Required takes us through 85. And then Genesis comes right in in 86. Yeah. Okay, so we've reached number one. And we've got, I mean, just guys, just think about how incredible of a year of the music this is. This, has been, this was a really hard thing to narrow down. I mean, we've got Stray Cats going crazy. You've got Laura Brannigan going crazy. You've got Sticks. You've got... Bonnie Tyler? Yes. I mean, Bonnie Tyler kept kept my song out of the top spot in the UK. Bonnie hey, Tyler. Total Glimpse of the Heart, definitely in the conversation for this list. Yeah, it's absolutely. Super, every time it comes on, I'm like, heck yeah. Yep. Okay, so number one, again, I'm going to defer to you. What do you got? Well, I think you already know what my number one is because we kind of eliminated it right off the bat. Yeah. But when you take the greatest pop artist of the day... And you combine it with the greatest guitar player of the day, and you mash it together, and you put the greatest producer of all time, and you come up with a song that is so catchy, it's so mainstream, it appeals to rock people, pop people, R&B people. It's Beat It by Michael Jackson. So that opening sound, that iconic opening sound, is from a Synclavier keyboard, right? They were doing everything they could not to sound like anything else. Yeah. But it was a stock sound. And they're like, hey, we got to change the sound. And Michael Jackson was, no, 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 no. We're keeping this sound. That that thing? Yes. So that sound is a sound that came programmed in. Like you open the box and there it is. Iconic sound. And I mean... We went into all kinds of detail when we did our Thriller episode on this, but I, I uncovered multiple different things. Michael Jackson, when he wrote this song, he said, I want to write a song that's a rock song that I would go out and buy. Yeah. But that's not being played on the top 40 right now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, Eddie Van Halen produced two guitar solos for two six-packs of beer. And really, I mean, a case can be made that this accelerated the demise of Van Halen with David Lee Roth. Absolutely. I mean, this album kept 1984 (laughs) out of the top spot. For the three weeks that it was at number two, Thriller was at number one the whole time. Yeah. Thriller was this juggernaut, and David Lee Roth didn't want Eddie playing for other artists, and it was a fight, 
and it ended with Dave gone, Sammy in, and Michael Jackson being the king of the 80s. Yeah. And Eddie said, he was like, I just wanted to do something nice. Like, he didn't even care about not getting paid other than, you know, the beer they brought to the studio or whatever. He was like, I just want to be nice to this kid. I thought maybe he'd give me some dance lessons or something. Oh, my gosh. And it's so good. I like literally, I think this is Eddie Van Halen's greatest piece of work. Yeah. It is the most amazing guitar solo I've ever heard. So as we mentioned in the episode, the the musicians that are involved in almost all of the songs on this album are the guys from Toto. You've got Steve Lukather on guitar. You've got Jeff Ficaro. You've got Steve Ficaro. They're involved in, I mean, Steve Ficaro wrote... Human Nature. Human Nature, yes. And so when Eddie came in, he heard Lukather's chord progression. He was like, hey, can we switch this up a little bit? And they're like, whatever you want, Mr. Van Halen. Right, yeah. (laughs) Sure, yeah. yeah. And so he changes it up and does two takes. Two takes. And in two takes, he sets the monitor speaker on fire. (laughs) So then when Michael Jackson came in, and Eddie's still there, and he saw that he had changed it, he wasn't upset. He was like, I'm so honored that he cared enough about the song to go, hey, let's let's maneuver it here and make it better. And it was truly impressed right. that he took the time to do that. You know, the video, you had actual Crips and Bloods on set for the gang fight, the West Side Story thing. Yeah. Although I'm going to say it's an iconic video and it finishes strong. The beginning with Michael Jackson laying in bed, you know singing... What? He improves. <laughs> he gets much better. I mean, you compare that to like Smooth Criminal a few years later where yeah. he's doing amazing things the entire video. Yeah. Well, the director of that video was Bob Girialdi. Okay. Okay. And, you know, he, he said everybody thought that this was supposed to be a West Side Story thing. And, I mean, come on. West Side Story is obvious on this, it right? Is. Right. Right. And, I mean, the, the line in West Side Story when they're like running away because there's about to be a fight is... Beat it. Beat it. Right, right. So, but he's like, no, 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 it wasn't that. He was like, I was inspired by the hoods in my neighborhood when I was growing up in Patterson, New Jersey, right? Sure. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, he directed him in this video. He directed him one other time. Okay. It was for a Pepsi commercial. The one where his hair caught on fire? The one where his hair caught on fire. (laughs) Yes. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Yep. Okay, this song hit number one April of 1983, and it's, I mean, I, I don't know how it's not higher on your list, but let's, let's see what you got here. Well, let's, uh, let me just say, okay, I, I, this song was on my list. This was a hard list to put together, and I had to, I had to find some, I had to put these That's things true. somewhere, right? That's true, yeah. So beat it still, I mean, I just, I could have done all Michael Jackson, I told right, you. I right, could have right, done right. it all. Okay. But I picked the one that is my favorite, and put it at number five, because that, this song is the perfect crossover of pop, Motown, and rock. Like, yeah. you take those three things, cram them together. It's perfect. And you've got beat it. Yeah. Iconic song. I have no, I fault you not at all for putting it number one. All right? Okay. Okay, so you ready for my number one? I am. I'm ready. I can't wait. I'm on the edge of my seat. Okay. This song, when I heard it the first time, and I think this is probably the experience for most folks, it's like it reaches out of the radio and grabs you by the shirt 
and shakes you and then gives you a big kiss and you fall into it. <laughs> okay. Right? I mean, this is the this is the classic piece from the 80s where it's, you know, the guys, the girl's mad and they're fighting and then all of a sudden they kiss and it's passionate. Right. That's this song. Okay. 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 This song is by a pair that was in a group initially called The Tourists. We talked about Australia a little bit earlier. The tourists had gone down to Australia on a tour and they absolutely fell apart. The pair were dating at the time. Okay. I mean, they were they were romantically involved. By the time they were flying home, they were done. But they both were smart enough to go, hey, we're a good combo musically. How about we just move out and we keep on working on music? And by move out... One of them literally moved to the floor above the other one, right? Okay. And so then they changed their name to... I think this is the Eurythmics. Sweet dreams are made of these. Okay. So Annie Lennox is suffering from depression because as the Eurythmics, they've had not a great deal of success with their initial releases. And she's kind of in the fetal position in the corner. And Dave Stewart is toying around with these new electrical machines that make music. Like, yeah. I mean, basically, it looks like a computer. And if you've seen the video, you've seen what he's what he's messing around with. And she's over there crying. And he's fiddling around. And she's all of a sudden like, wait a minute, what was that? And it's that... Infectious. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. You can't avoid it. Yeah. You cannot avoid it. And it is a song that does. It is a pure chorus song. Like there isn't verse. Right. It's just hook, 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 hook. The whole thing is hook, uh-huh. and you just want it to never end. <laughs> right. You want it to never end. It is like it's. You know what it is like to me. It's like Corey Hart and sunglasses at night. It is something where you hear it and you're automatically like, I need to turn it up. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. And so that that awesome intro is actually two pieces, right? It's actually him playing one part and her playing the other part. And if you listen, you can hear you can hear the side to side on the stereo of the two different pieces because and they're like, people have so much trouble because they try to play this as one instrument. Right. It's two people playing. Interesting. Right? Okay. And she had done so much. I mean, you talked about Boy George and his look. She was kind of the other side of that coin, right? Here she is with her head nearly shaved, wearing a man's business suit. And the song is not a happy song. It, it The sweet dreams are made of this. Yeah. It's talking about this kind of desire that you have for fame. And then you realize... This sucks. Right. Because some people want to use you and some people want to be used by you. Right. And just this, if you listen to the lyrics, it's really about, you know, I've traveled all over the world and it's crap. But then in hearing all of this, Dave Stewart's like, well, we can't be completely a downer. Let's let's keep your head up. Keep moving on. Yeah. Hold your head up. Keep moving on. That's good. And that's how that makes it. That's how those lyrics make it. That's great. That's great. Okay. I can't. I can't fault you at all. That's a great song, and I had it written down on my list as near misses. So, yeah, I mean, 1983, great year in music. Yeah. Guys, we're going to have episodes that cover a lot of these things coming up here in the next few weeks. We hope you enjoy them. We hope you enjoy this little journey with us. If you think we completely missed the boat on this, or if you think we're just off a little bit, hit us up on Twitter, hit us up on Facebook, and tell us, what are your top five songs of 1983? Should we talk about what we got coming up on the schedule? Yeah, sure. Let's talk a little bit about what's in store for season four 
of the Surely You Can't Be Serious podcast. Yeah. Okay, so our schedule is always in flex. Yeah. But I think we've got uh, we've got Groundhog Day coming up. Yeah. And we're going to pair on, that up. On Groundhog Day. On Groundhog Day. <laughs> we haven't actually decided what we're going to pair that yeah, up with. We're, we're still it's talking be about that. That'll be a surprise. Yep. So we're in talks to maybe do The Outsiders versus Rumblefish, kind yep. of a... Uh, Francis Ford Coppola Tulsa thing. Yeah, we we started talking about this, and I talked. To, I mentioned something to my sister-in-law about this a few weeks ago, and she's like, "Oh yeah, I taught Mickey Rourke how to ride a motorcycle." I was like, "Shut the heck up!" What? She's like, "Oh yeah, I was in Tex." I'm like, "No, <laughs> what?" So I have a I have a close dear relative that's freaking. She lived with Meg Tilly for a couple of weeks. I mean, it's nuts. What are you talking about? <laughs> right? That's incredible. Yeah. Well, and then we're going to cover, I think we're going to cover Long Cold Winter, Long Cold Winter by Cinderella. Mm-hmm. We're going to cover OU812 by Van Halen. We're hopefully going to tackle Billy Joel and Lionel Richie. We've got two iconic computer movies from the 80s. We've got War Games versus Tron. We hope to have a special guest on that one. Yes. You know which one I'm really excited about? So. <sighs> soundtrack, soundtrack, movie, movie. We're going to do Rocky Horror Picture Show and Grease. Can't wait. In the fall. Yeah, can't wait for that. Yeah. Guys, we've got all kinds of fun stuff in store that we'll reveal to you as the episodes go on. But please hit that subscribe button. Hit that follow button so that you don't miss an episode. And don't forget, if you want to hear some of our secret episodes, if you want to hear some of our one-hit wonder episodes, then go sign up on Patreon. You can do it for as little as five bucks a month, and you're able to hear all of our one-hit wonder songs. We've covered The Knack. We have. We've covered... We covered (laughs) September by Earth, Wind, and Fire. We've covered You've Got It All by The Jets. We've covered Relax by Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Yeah. The Simple Minds, Don't You Forget About Me. Yeah. We've covered Video Kill the Radio Star. We, of course, covered I'll See You in My Dreams by Giant. Giant, yes. And all I want for Christmas is you by Mariah Carey. That's took the wind out of my sails right there, yeah. So excited. We've got some great stuff on Patreon. Five bucks a month, and you get all this extra stuff. It's really cool. Yeah, and if you go up in levels from there, we start sending out gifts, man. I know. Yeah. Hey, by the way, check out my 30-something. Oh, dude, yes. Jason is wearing the 30-something movie podcast shirt. It is completely awesome. Uh, Those... Guys at 30-something Movie Podcast, if you just heard our most recent episode, we were talking with John about the Superman episodes, and then even before that, we were talking with John um, and Dayton Johnson from the Docking Bay 77 podcast about... The Star Wars Trivia one. Star Wars Trivia, yes. Heck of a heck of a show if you haven't heard that one yet. And you it goes from easy to rather hard rather <laughs> quickly, all right? That was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. And then, of course, this... We also... I hate not to mention this, but we've got some episodes coming up this year with some other podcasts. Our friends over at the Film By podcast had done a whole series on 1986. Now they're doing one on 1976. And when they showed us the list, I was like, holy cow, there are some amazing movies. So we'll be joining them for some of those. That'll be fun. That'll be fun. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Please tune in next time. And as always, thank you for being awesome. We will see you guys next time. See you next time.